Uh, great to have you. Uh, I know that we're a small group tonight, but that's okay, because um, the wonderful thing is that, you know, I remember when ex in Exodus where Moses had said, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, we don't care to go. Right? He says, I, I don't want to go where wherever your presence isn't leading me. And um, so we need the presence of God. And if we have the presence of God, it doesn't matter who is in our life or who isn't in our life. <clears throat> Amen. Let that speak to you. It doesn't matter who's in your life or who's not in your life. Um, what matters is if, if God is in our lives and if he's walking uh, beside us and that... Um, See, his presence accompanies us when we're in keeping with his will, when we're in keeping with his His good pleasure. And so we always want to be <clears throat> in alignment and in step um, with, with what is um, pleasurable to the heart of God. Hallelujah. And, and let me just say that I really feel impressed to say this uh, by the Lord. When you say yes to God, you're going to upset people and you're going to rub people wrong. And I know that this is very pertinent and relevant to um, at least one of us here in the chat right now. <clears throat> um, when when we say yes to the Lord and to His will, people aren't going to be happy, and and they're not they're already not happy at you. But remember the word of the Lord, the consolation that Christ has given to us. He said, He says, take pe take heart, for I've overcome the world. He says, in me, you will have peace. He says, in me. So when we're in him and we're in, in his will, God gives us that peace. But when we're outside of him, see, everything is tumultuous. Everything is just full of turmoil. <clears throat> and see, what what happens is, a lot, see, the reason why things externally uh, becomes uh, crazy in our lives and... Um, chaotic externally in relationship to other people in relationship to people that are not pleasing to God is because it's it's a a ploy it's a tactic of the devil to get us out of God wherein is our peace so in Christ is our peace see but the devil knows that in Christ you have peace so what he'll do is create a bunch of chaos outside of Christ through all those who are outside of Jesus right, to, to allure you out of God, right, to tempt you out of him, to push you out of him and say, you know what, um, yeah, you're, you're obeying God and this obedience stuff obviously isn't working and because if it was working, why are you having all these problems with all these people that don't see eye to eye to you? They're calling you judgmental, they're calling you this, they're calling you that, they're falsely accusing you. Hallelujah. And I just come against that false accusation that is spoken over your life. Every <clears throat> um, slander, all gaslighting, all manipulation, all uh, judgments and, 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 and man controlling opinions to, to persuade you that to, to persuade you that you're a bad person. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Because the, the wicked will say that if you're truly a Christian, then why aren't you doing this or why aren't you doing that? And it's just, it's the devil speaking through them. 
It's the enemy speaking through his agents, those that are yielded to him. And even if they're a Christian, the devil still can get them out of the will of God, out of the step of the spirit to be used as a puppet of the enemy, right? And, and to get you to say, you know what, man, I've been obedient. I've, I've been seeking after God. Why, why is it that people are not happy with me? You know, and, and people were happier with you when you weren't obeying God. And, and that's the confusion of the devil because the things that you used to do Right, that brought pain to certain people's heart because they didn't want to see you die. They didn't want to see you end up in the hospital. They want to see you. And then what? They initially, when you gave your life to Christ, they were happy, right? But they didn't continue that happiness. They didn't continue that because they knew where your decisions for Christ ultimately leads you. And it and and where it's leading them isn't pleasing them. But what did Paul say? He says, if I sought to be a servant, uh, he says, it, he says, I'm a servant of Christ. And he says, uh, what, what, how does he say exactly? Um, if I were called to please man, I would no longer be the servant of Christ is what he says in Galatians. So we have to make up in our minds, are we going to please man? Are we going to please the devil? Are we going to please even ourselves? Uh, whom are we going to please? And it's going to be God. But l- let me just say this and 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 speak life. Um, when we when we continue to obey God, we continue to trust in the Lord. He will lead us out of that bondage. He will lead us out of that oppression. He will lead us out of of those thorns and those thistles. And lead us into a land that that is is full of fruit, that is uh, prosperous, that is enjoyable, that is peaceable. Amen. <clears throat> but what happens? Because <clears throat> the Lord wants to bring us out of Egypt through the wilderness. But if if we don't trust Him, what happens is. We, we spend much more time in the wilderness than we ought to. And we keep going around in circles, around in circles, around in circles. All right, so we don't want to be in the wilderness longer than what we're supposed to be. We're only supposed to be 40 days, but that, that 40 days can turn into 40 years if, if we allow the threatenings of Pharaoh, if we allow unbelief, if we allow these things, right, to, to stifle our walk with the Lord... right but see god he was leading them through the wilderness so that they could enter into the land of promise right so that they would inherit houses they did not build inherit uh, uh livestock inherit all these things right and give them peace and rest from their enemies amen we here tonight And so, so let let us uh, place our trust in Him. Praise God. Um, I'm going to read Psalm 37. I was I was going to read another passage, but I 
uh, feel the Lord leading me towards this uh, this direction. So look at what, what the Word of God says. It says, uh, Psalm 37, verse 1, Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. All right, so you notice that a lot of times the devil is going to use people whose lives are evil to make you envious of them rather than being envious of, of the godly. Right? Um, but what does is, what is God say about this? So God recognizes that there's there will be a temptation to do that. <clears throat> to, to of number one, to fret because of those who are evil. So in other words, to be in despair or or fear, right? A loss of hope because of wicked people uh, uh, tormenting your life or harassing you, right? Um, and number two is to be envious of those who do wrong. You know why? Because the temptation to be envious of them is because they seem like they're on the fast track and they get things easily with when they do wrong, right? If they what rob a bank or if they steal from someone or or they're getting uh, money through unjust and unrighteous ways, right? Money seems to come quick to them and then they don't have all the financial problems like the righteous do because the righteous, right? Uh, money and, and, and property and things like that, it doesn't come fast. <clears throat> but see... The deception is this, that just because someone got it fast, that, that that it is therefore secure. But just because they got it fast doesn't mean that it's secure. The righteous, however, when we do things, the work that God brings us through is extremely slow. And this is precisely why um, it calls for us to have the fruit of the Spirit, which is patience, Right? And so, so patience is needed when things aren't going so fast. God calls us to endure. Endure for what? He doesn't tell us to endure or to be patient in vain. It's for the purpose for uh, you to arrive to your ultimate destination that you desire to, to, to land in. But in the meantime, God is calling us to have hope <clears throat> right to be hopeful hopeful isn't wishing on a star the the hope is really no difference than faith but faith biblically speaking is is present tense where hope however is always future tense future orientated both in nature are the same thing but the aspects that are different is that faith is now and hope i need to have faith right now right as i'm praying to god or, or just to exercise uh, my faith in the now, like if I'm tempted, no, I have faith in God, I'm not going to have faith in the devil, or I'm not going to have faith in my own strength. And then hope is, uh, I'm anticipating for God to do something in the future. But uh, hope, God doesn't elicit hope in our hearts to defer that hope or to disappoint that hope. So when you're praying and you feel the Lord percolating in your heart and, and uh, um, arising hope in a specific direction, it isn't so he can get your hopes up and do nothing about it. 
The object of your hope is the promises of God and God himself. And so that when you find hope arising in your heart in a direction that is indicative that God is speaking to you and wanting to lead you down that route so that you can obtain that promise. But it requires patience and the work is slow so you're not just going to get it overnight other people are getting it overnight, but you know the the difference between you and them is number one, your work, God is working through you. God is working. For them, the devil is working. For you, the work is slow. For them, the work is fast. For you, patience is required. And you're led by patience. For them, they are led by haste and speed. Just because you're going fast don't mean that you're going right because you can be going fast in the wrong direction. Does that make sense? You know, smarts doesn't uh, alleviate people from stupidity or, or unrighteousness. If the, the more intelligent and, and smart you are, the easier it can be for you to go in the wrong direction and faster in that wrong direction. But so... Why am I going to envy someone whose life is leading to destruction? I don't envy those who are uh, have developed cancer. I don't envy those who have developed an STD. I don't envy those who uh, are going to hell. Right? So why would I envy these people? <clears throat> Even though their life it, their their life their, their lives will soon fade. Right? <clears throat> this is what in, in fact, that's precisely what David says as a reason for why you should not envy these wicked people nor fret when they arise. Why? Because verse 2 says, For like the grass, they will soon wither. They're going to wither. They're, you know, they're not going to prosper and they're not going to last. Right? <clears throat> you know, there's a number of people that I've, I've, I've witnessed to, my old homeboys that I've witnessed to, regarding the Lord, and, and I would make appeals to their conscience and say, repent, give your life to Christ, right? And um, not long after, they died. And, uh, you know, I remember one of them, man, it's a, a tragic story. Um, it was about two, 2017, and uh, I was out evangelizing one day, and I happened to come across uh, one of my old friends, and, uh, I was witnessing to him, he was a heroin addict, <clears throat> and, um, he was just badly addicted to heroin, and I, I brought him to church, I ministered to him, and I remember he was crying, saying that he wanted to quit, he wants to quit, <clears throat> but, um, he just couldn't let go of that sin, and, um, you know, uh, I remember, um, he fell out of contact with me, you know, and that's what normally happens when people don't want to follow God, because if you're following God, people don't want to side with you. And then I had caught the news that he had died from a, a heroin overdose. Um, another friend of mine that I used to kick it with back in the day, and I would constantly try to make appeals to him to repent. And uh, I remember he told me, he said, you know, he said, um, I'm very... I'm hard-headed, and he would have all his reasons why. He said, you know what, just keep keep talking to me, and, and maybe one day you'll, you'll persuade me to repent. 
So I'll do it one day. But in the meantime, I'm still living my life. <clears throat> and um, I forgot what year it was, probably 2021. Uh, he got, he got, he was in the gangs and he got gunned down right in front of his own son. They put several bullets in his chest. Um, <laughs> sad. But the, the, the point that I'm making though is they soon faded. They died before their time. Right? And so that's what happens to the wicked. Their paths lead to destruction. Their paths lead to death. But look it. You know, and I remember partying with, with this guy. Remember doing stupid stuff with this guy. And yet, at an early age, by the grace of God, right, the Lord awakened my conscience so that I would be wise enough to say, you know what, I don't I don't want to die an early death. I don't want to spend the rest of my life in prison. I don't, I'm tired of getting arrested. I'm tired. I don't want to die from a drug overdose. I don't want that life anymore. Right. And, and, but I'm still living. And not only I'm not just merely surviving, I'm thriving. I'm not just existing. I'm living. I'm not just alive. I have eternal life. And so there is no comparison between us and the wicked because they will soon fade. And so even if we have a little, what does the Bible say in Proverbs? Better that the little that the righteous have than the, the, all that the wicked does. It, it, because the, the righteous have peace, but the wicked not so. Amen. I remember in the world um, suffering from paranoia. I had no peace. I was always looking over my shoulder if if someone was going to get me, double cross me, you know, uh, cops. I, it, it's restlessness. You don't have peace. And even when you're sinning, especially if you're doing crime like I was, you feel like any, at any moment it all can be messed up. Everything that you're doing. So even when you did get stuff... It was always conditioned by, but I can lose all this right in the next minute, right? Um, but see, when we when we store up stuff in God, He gives and He secures what He gives to us. Because see, the thing is, it's not something you got yourself. Because if you get it yourself, you can lose it by yourself. But if God gave it to you, God secures whatever He gave. Does that make sense? <clears throat> you know that's you know why all these celebrities they're on like their fifth marriage they're on their sixth marriage or it's just a bunch of nonsense right because they what do you expect but anyways for they like the grass will soon wither like green plants they will soon die away trust in the lord and do good Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. So you, what do we see here? That we, we've been called. We've been, it's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. God called us to trust in him. Not trust in the arm of the flesh. Not trust in our own head. Not to trust in our own doctrine. Not to trust in anything else but to trust in the Lord. Right? And guess what? That means you trust in the Lord even when times doesn't look like Look, 
Let me tell you something. When everything is all and fine and dandy, okay, that's when it's easy to trust God. In fact, those are the times you don't know if you even have trust in God because what what do you have to trust God for in the moment? You have everything you need, right? And, and so it isn't until pressure and tribulation comes that we begin to see how much we don't trust in him. Right, so you won't know how you won't know the stature of your faith and the degree of your faith until trying times come. Come on, somebody. Why does it say in uh, Romans chapter five, uh, uh, tribulation work patience and, and, and patience virtue and, and right and, and so on and so forth. And what does James says? He says, brethren. Uh, um, Rejoice when you are tried by many trials, for you know that the testing of your faith works patience. So your faith is being tested. And guess what? You don't get to... I wish we could. We don't get to pick what area of our faith in life we get tested. And you know what I've discovered? It's always the areas that you're most afraid in. Like, Lord, why not this area? I do good in that area. Well, that's why you're not. it's not in that area, because you're already good in that area. Is it understood? So, right? Uh, come on, somebody. Um, so if, if, you, if you have fear in the area of money, well, that's where you're going to get tested. If you have fear being lonely and 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 you'll never get married, you know what you're going to do? You're going to get tested. The devil's, the devil's already strategizing. He's concocting a plan saying, you know what? I've been taking note of her for quite some time and I, I realize that her weakness is she doesn't want to be lonely. So I'm going to uh, uh, get the, um, you know, the popular guy. I'm going to bring him her way. And he's going to say all the right things, the smooth words. He's already established. He's already saying, you know, I'm ready for commitment. I'll put a ring on the finger, all this nonsense. Right. But he's not he's not serving God. But he knows he he grew up in church. He knows how to quote the Bible. He says, oh, you know, by the way, I've been wanting to get deeper with God. And you're the one to help me. And now the devil says, don't you want to be a good witness? Witness to him. (laughs) Do you see how you get entangled, right? <clears throat> and and it's just one inch by another. But the point is, it begins where you're not trusting the Lord. That's where you get entangled. And so, <clears throat> um, and it says, trust in the Lord and do good. Right? Simple commands, but they're not easy. <clears throat> Very simple commands, but there's nothing easy about them. It says, dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Okay. You know why? Because sometimes you shouldn't have to be told to dwell in the land. But, you know, God always forewarned them that there were going to be foreigners and and he commanded the kings and and certain people look don't don't intermarry 
with these foreigners because the, the those women, those foreign women are going to entangle you into their gods and say, come and, and worship our gods. So God had given them Jerusalem as their land to dwell. And so I say this prophetically, what is the land that God told you to dwell in? It might be a, a, a specific location. You might say, oh, you know, I want to move to France. I don't, I don't know why France. Um, <laughs> right? Or I want to move here. But but see here, but the, that's the thing is over there, uh, uh, there's wee <laughs> wee. Oui, oui. I don't even know what that means. But it's interesting because I, anyways, um, the the point though is when you when you when you exit out, and let's say let's say that Christ is that land. And and so when you know there's there's foreign ways and foreign gods and in these foreign lands that that you're you find an attraction to. Right? Whatever that land is, God is is telling you, look, no, continue to dwell where you're at and abide in the will of God. Don't exit outside of the will of the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> because outside of that there is no safe pasture it's dangerous it's perilous but look a verse three where it says trust in the lord you might say well how exactly can i do that i i, I find my i find trouble doing that and i can't turn trust on and off like a light switch so how can i cultivate that trust we're going to turn back to Psalm 37, but I just want to quickly read uh, in Jude chapter 1, verse 20. It's a very short book, the book of Jude. It's right before the book of Revelation and after Third uh, John. <coughs> but what does it say? But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith. So how can we trust in God? We exercise faith. But how do we cultivate that faith? Well, this implies to us that faith can be built. And you know the problem, the reason why we don't ever grow in faith is because we don't like building. We don't want to build. We, 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 we are idle. Right? Not I-D-O-L, but I-D-L-E. Yes, I-D-L-E. Or I-D-E-L. I can't spell them without writing on paper. Yeah, I-D-L-E. <laughs> so we're idle. And, and we don't we don't wanna we don't want to this is the difficult part, we don't want to pray. Right? And this is why the, you know a total of five people well no I'm I can't say this is why. Sometimes I'm I get that we have things and today is um New Year's. But by and large um, we have less people uh, attending prayer, but you'll have more people go to a fellowship, right? Where, oh, there's going to be a potluck. And the majority of the people don't even bring anything anyways. 
Cause, cause the majority are always consumers, and the the least percentage are builders. But <clears throat> because why? Prayer is work. There's no way around it. Prayer is work. And notice though, it says, "But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up." So, yes, we need people to pray for us. That is valid. And there are times where we need help by prayer. Okay? But the person going to be doing the most praying for you should be you. Once again, let me stress the fact. Because the Bible says, you know, keep the commands of God and turn neither to the right hand nor to the left. So we, we are creatures of extreme, and we swing from this side of the pendulum on the left side or to the right side. We are to avoid both extremities, either liberalism or legalism. God wants a mature, concise obedience, and not putting our twist on it, not subtracting or adding thereto. Does it make sense? <coughs> so... So there are people who say, oh, no, I just pray for myself. It's just me and Jesus. I'll read the Bible myself. I'll pray myself. And, hey, I'll even baptize myself. (laughs) I'll lay hands on myself. I'll baptize myself. Go down. (laughs) And I'll do it so many times that even the tadpoles got my social security number. <laughs> right? Um but that that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't work. Um so you have those people that that act like that and think like that normally because they have traumas, they have trust issues and they're proud and and they don't they hate they hate the cuss word submission. They hate that cuss word. <coughs> it's a Christian cuss word. And so they insist on it just being them and Jesus. And so so they, they don't ask anybody for prayers. You know, I, I seen on uh, YouTube so, some someone was asking for prayer. And it was on a, you know, popular channel that I like watching. Uh, a guy, he, you know, he teaches. He's, he's a pastor. And I said, prayer for what? Unspoken prayer requests get unanswered prayers. You know, unan- un- uh, unspoken prayer requests get unanswered petitions. The Bible says, Paul says this in Philippians, let your request be made known. That's what he said. So, so even to God who can read minds, Jesus didn't say when you pray, think. He said when you pray, say. So the kingdom is dependent upon speech and it's word activated. God spoke, God didn't think the world into existence, he spoke it into existence. He sent his word, right? Uh, uh, in, you know, it, and Mary conceived the word, right? In the beginning was the word, right? <clears throat> when, when, you know, when you cast out a demon, you don't think for the demon to come out. You got to speak for the demon to come out. When you praise, you know, 
you know, and, and normally the people that try to justify this stuff are the quiet ones, especially, especially a lot of the white churches, right? They just like being quiet. And when it comes to praise and worship, they won't lift their hands and they won't say hallelujah. They won't say amen. They won't shout back. I don't like being around that stuff because why? The Bible says, lift up your voice. <clears throat> I don't care if it offends people that I lift up my voice. I don't care about your culture if it contradicts the word. If it doesn't contradict the word, I'll honor your culture. I will be respectful. But if it contradicts the word, I didn't come into this because I want to be culturally astute. Or I'm some form of anthropologist and I got to be learned of everybody's culture. And, and even if it contradicts the word of God, you know, so, hey, if you're a part in, in, from a part of the world where you, you, you know, you think that praising God is you can praise him in your head in the great congregation. That's not what I see in the Bible. In fact, when the apostles prayed, the Bible says, and they lifted up their voice. Oh, but you know that's that's just you. you. You know, you you Mexicans are loud, or whatever. Well, that might be true, but the point is, right now I'm being loud because of God. Now I'm just not being loud just to be a resounding gong or or a clanging cymbal that has no significance to it. But nor am I trying to work up a frenzy or try to be hyper emotional. Right? It's just that when the Holy Ghost comes upon an individual, it elicits a boldness. And you know that one who's speaking by the Spirit, or praising by the Spirit, or praying by the Spirit, or ministering by the Spirit, that it's, it's otherworldly. It's coming from another dimension, another realm. I'm not into lectures. I'm into the Holy Ghost speaking, uh, and and... And the individual who's uh, being moved by the Holy Ghost as an oracle of God. Let me see this real quick. <coughs> Look it. I will go back to Jude. I have a couple of things to say here, but I want to I want to turn your attention to Acts chapter four verse uh, verse twenty four. Because people say, you know, I've had some lukewarm people tell me this before. Why Why do you get loud? Okay, well, I'll just flip the question right back. Why do you stay quiet? Do you, do you, have, any, do you have any biblical justification for that? I can read you chapter by chapter by chapter all that are pervaded through the book of Psalms. And they shouted to the Lord. Make a great shout. Make a great noise. Right? Uh, <laughs> tell me this. You go to a worldly concert, a rock concert, a rap concert, and everybody's quiet. I guarantee you that concert was bunk. There was nothing good about it. Because there's no activity. Right? If no one is parading in the or, or a football game, the, you know, a, a Super Bowl. They're going crazy in the club. If the club is quiet, what do you think? You, you think that was a good night? Well, it's a bad night anyways, no matter how you slice it or dice it. But according to the world's perspective, 
you know, it was good. So, but, and I'm not saying that just, we need to therefore increase our volume to increase our volume, but at times volume is an indication of the spirit, uh, a spirit's work and activity in the heart of men to elicit those sounds. Why do you think in Acts chapter two, they were accused of being drunk? Tell you what, Reformed churches, Presbyterian churches, Baptist churches, that doesn't look like Acts 2 to me. Because you go to the, one of those churches and tell me that you, you, you suspect them being drunk. No, you, you, what, what do drunk people do? They cry, they're loud, right? Or they might be, they might have this form of ecstasy and joy and they're just loving on people, right? So when the Holy Ghost overtakes you and you're well drunk of the new wine, you might weep or you might laugh, you might shout. You get what I'm saying? And people that are in the spirit know when you're acting in the flesh. And I just, you know, you know, I'll, I'll tell those people to be quiet because it's discernible. But look at, I'm sorry, let me try to make this point real quick. <clears throat> Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 24. Uh, when they heard, well, let's actually go verse 23, I'm sorry. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Verse 24, when they heard this, they raised their voices together. Or some translation says they lift it up. So what do you think that means? They're lifting up. They're raising the volume. They're speaking up. Your mom, your mom or your, your dad ever say, uh, uh, speak up. I can't hear you. What'd you say, boy? Speak up. Right? Oh, come on, somebody. So they did what? They they when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Okay? Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. <clears throat> so people want to say, oh, we want to be the uh, book of Acts church. Okay, well, let's pray like the book of Acts. Right? Let's stop. Let's stop uh, thinking in our heads. Let's stop looking, sounding, praising as if we're dead. Right? The Bible says, David says, the dead praise not the Lord. Okay, so when we pray, we, we, we're we not just looking to, you know, be hyper. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking to be moved by the Holy Ghost and to pray. And, you know, I just can't stand it when lukewarm, you know, intellectual Christians try to stifle the moves of the Spirit you know, I, I heard uh, one guy say, why do you lift your voice when you shout? God isn't deaf. No, but you know, you 
you guys that twist scripture, you guys are deaf. You guys can't hear what the Spirit says to the church. So maybe a little volume will help. And I'm not saying you specifically. I'm just talking about the people that like to always argue. They always have something to say when a real move of God makes them feel uncomfortable. <clears throat> okay, so, you know. Um, but do you see that? So there are these just little gems in Scripture that actually justify certain practices that, that people like myself do. Right? So it's not just because I made it up. Right. <clears throat> so they, they lifted up their voices. They raised their voices. They didn't just they didn't they didn't think louder. <laughs> right. They didn't. Let me ooh, let me think harder. Right. They didn't do that. <clears throat> and you know what? What that shows also they did it together. That meant they were in concert. They didn't say, oh, you know, our culture, didn't. we didn't do that. We didn't say, you know, my previous church, we didn't do it that way. They didn't say all that. They did it together. Shy, not shy, bold, right? They all did it together. <clears throat> but here's the deal. It's not because any one of them were saying, hey, I want the focus on me. They're in unity in the spirit and the focus is God. Right? But Jude chapter 1 verse 20 says, building yourselves in your holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So, you know how you, you uh, <clears throat> build yourself up is you continue to pray with the Spirit's energy, with the Spirit's influence, with the Spirit's prompting, with what pleases the Spirit. And the Word of God is being the object, you know, the, the, the standard for your petitions, the standard for the prayers that you make. Right, because the Spirit influenced the prophets and the apostles to write and speak, and they wrote that down for us for our admonition and our learning, so that when we pray, we compare it in alignment to the Word. <clears throat> and the more, right, the more we allow the teachings of Christ to shape our minds, we'll find, and the more we allow the Word of God to abide in our hearts, we will pray what is pleasing to God. Jesus says, if my words abide in you and you and me, ask whatsoever you wish and it shall be done for you. <coughs> but anyways, you want to know why, you know, um, un unspoken request doesn't help anybody? Because you don't know if anything was answered. And one of the ways in which your faith is built is that you pray specifically. Ian Bound said, general prayers get general answers, specific prayers yield specific answers. And the more you are specific, like for example, um, you know, like when I get specific words for people, uh, it elicits a strong faith in the living God. Because you, re you reason, I didn't tell him that. God told them that. But if I tell somebody every something that everybody already knows, does that does that build up your faith? You guys I don't know if you guys seen that little 
uh, Christian comedian where he says, <laughs> it, was, it was a black preacher or a black comedian, right? And you know how, you know how, you know, they, they uh, how they speak. He's all, oh, oh, oh uh, pray, play something, uh, medicationally. And then he, what does he say? He's all, I know I said medicational. He says, and I know the word is meditational. He says, but remember, I'm flowing in the pathetic and not the prophetic. <laughs> and then he's all, he's all, they always got to have that look on their face like something stink in the room. Mm. <laughs> and so he, but he's not lying. A lot of times people, they, they have this look on their face. They're trying to act deep, right? When they're, they're not deep. And, <clears throat> and he says, you know, they're building you up, building you up. And then they, they end up telling something, saying something that everybody already knows. He says, you know, oh, God told me to tell you that tomorrow's Friday. <laughs> or they stay so general. <clears throat> right. And that that's why, you know, I posted on my stories, you know, about the, the 2024 prophetic buzzwords is they always say the same thing. New mantle, you know, new wind, fresh this, transition, shift. It's so predictable. And, you know, why it's always on the same day, I don't think that, I think they're following a trend. I don't think, I don't think that, I'm not saying none of them. I'm just saying I think by and large a lot of them are not really following <coughs> God. They're just following a trend. Does that make sense? <clears throat> But, but, you know, I, I love when the Lord, you know, he speaks very concisely and specifically. <clears throat> I remember I had this one time when I was going to the old hall that I was locked up in years ago because we would do ministry there and we would minister to the inmates. And there was this uh, girl and um, the Lord spoke very clear to me uh, about her. And um, she was a new face. And, um, <clears throat> as I was preaching, the Lord highlighted to highlighted her to me and I pointed to her and I just shared what God put on my heart. And I said, you know, you know, this and this, that, and the other is true about you. Uh, and so on and so forth. <clears throat> and then it was just amazing that, because it was right in front of all the inmates and the guards. And so they seen the manifestation of the power of God. Right. But she looked up and she cried out, "How do you know me?" And she put her put her eye, her face in her palms and started weeping, just weeping and weeping. And um, I was like, "Praise the Lord!" I was like, "God knows you," and I got to pray for her. And I prophesied to her that that she is not going to be here. And then a week later, she I didn't see her again because she got out. So that that was amazing. <laughs> but everybody there will know that there is a God who speaks the truth and he is alive and he is well. He is living and he's active, right? But what you know what happens even to the atheist, oh, there's something to this. Faith is built up. And so you know want to know how your faith is built up when you pray? Stop being so general to start being specific to the Lord about what you want to see. <clears throat> right? 
God, I, I need um, $200 before uh, this payment date. <clears throat> I don't know how it's going to come, but God, would you give it to me within, you know, a week and a half? And so, what you know why? Because the more specific you are, the the lower the margin for coincidence. Does that make sense? And so you can't read in between the lines. So that was just coincidental, because there there are gaps so thin that it, it is not possible for it to be coincidental. Is it's obviously an answer from God? Does it make sense? <clears throat> so. That's how we build up our faith. But here's the thing. If you never pray, then you're not going to see it. What does James says? You have not because you ask not. Right? That's what God said. That's what James said. Right? Let me say this last thing and we'll get to prayer. <clears throat> but is because I didn't finish my thought on those that say, oh, you know, it's just me and Jesus. Um. <clears throat> On the one hand, you have those that don't ever want to have anybody pray for them and let their requests be made known. You know why? Because that's a form of accountability. And God designed it that way specifically. Even in Paul the Apostle told the leaders of the Corinthian church, hey, pray for us that God will do X, Y, and Z. He says, let me, let me just share that real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. No, no, I'm, uh, we don't have to go that far. Back to 8. <clears throat> um, verse 10 through 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 10 through 11. And look at what the word of God reads. He has delivered us <clears throat> from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. <clears throat> On him we have set our hope. And remember we're going talking once again about hope in Psalm 37. On him, not our situation, not our circumstance, on him have we set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Paul is echoing the Lord's prayer in Luke chapter 11, where the Lord and Matthew 7, where Christ had instructed the apostles to pray in this way Deliver us from evil. That is a petition. So what evil is trying to victimize you? It is our prayer to God that he will deliver us from evil. Not, not that evil will triumph or, pre, or prevail. God wants you to triumph and prevail over evil. Does that make sense? <coughs> As you help, what does he say? On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers. So Paul is saying we want to be delivered from evil. And we have placed our hope in God that he will do that. He will do that on this condition. <clears throat> that you help us by your prayers. So in other words, let me state it in the reversal. It is through your help in prayer for us that God will deliver us from evil. So what does that mean? There is a necessity for the participation of the Corinthian elders to pray on behalf of Paul. Does that make sense? And what does it say? For the, and it says, 
then many will give thanks. And so the purpose for this is that many people will thank God. Thank God for what? A prayer they didn't know was answered? No, a prayer they do know was in fact answered. And they know it was answered because Paul was specific. He didn't say, hey, Corinthian church, unspoken prayer request. Uh, I'm just throwing my pennies in a wishing well. Unspoken prayer request. Keep, keep me in your prayers. Right? He didn't say that. And then and, and then get a bunch of comments in on Facebook or Instagram or wherever else, right? Prayers, brother. And no one no one's even praying. <laughs> oh God, I'm just praying for this unspoken prayer request. Just giving an unspoken answer. <laughs> no. You have to be sp- and I'm not saying blurt out your business to every single people. This is why it is important to have a covering that will cover you in prayer. Hey, look, this is a situation that I'm going through. Can you please pray for me? Right? <clears throat> so I'm not saying throw your business out to everybody. <clears throat> but notice, though, that it was through that specific petition that specific answers came and and the church was would would be aware of that and therefore praise God on account of it. And you know what that then does? That that establishes that only adds to all the wonders and the signs God performed for you. And then so when a situation arises, you say, Oh, God brought me out of that, or God brought Paul out of that, God brought my brother out of this. God, when we prayed together, I remember the Lord did that, He will do it again. And so that's how your faith has continued to be built. Does that make sense? <clears throat> but like it says, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Not the prayer of many, as if the many will pray once, but the prayers of many. Sometimes it requires even for the many to pray more than once. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so Jude chapter 1 verse 20 what does it say building yourselves up and so what this eliminates is the just me and Jesus I'm just always going to do this thing myself when that's not true the hand cannot say to the foot I have no need of you amen <clears throat> and this is why sometimes people never get breakthrough because that that form of thinking that form of pride prevents them from humbling themselves. You know, <clears throat> there are things that God answered through the one that covers me, the one that fathers me in the faith. Things that I had prayed for on my own, and it wasn't until I brought that to him or, or a God revealed it to him and he prayed for me that that thing was broken. So, it's how God operates. And, and the thing that would prevent us from receiving that is, is, well, so, does that mean God doesn't hear me? <clears throat> no, see, he heard you. But now, once he heard you, he's in integrating, he's incorporating someone else, a part of that problem, 
to be the solution. <clears throat> and you know why he does that sometimes? Well, actually, a lot of the times is so that you don't get it twisted thinking that you're the end all be all. Why didn't why didn't Paul uh, before he you know before he got baptized and the scales fell from his eyes? Remember the Lord blinded him <clears throat> and he got knocked off the animal on the road to Damascus. What and, and what did uh, uh, the prophet? What what did the Lord reveal to the prophet? He says, hey, you know, I have Saul, my chosen vessel. He says, go and uh, minister to him. And the prophet said, Lord, don't you know what he's done to your people? He says, yes, I know. And, you know, and he's going to have to suffer many things and so on and so forth. But, and he says, uh, go to him for behold, he prays. <clears throat> so Saul was already praying. But why didn't the Lord cause for the scales to fall from his eyes the first day that Saul was praying, he was blind for three days. <clears throat> and it wasn't until um, the prophet had come and laid hands on him, the scales fell, and then he was baptized, right? And then he, he was ushered into the, the destiny that God had for him. <clears throat> David wasn't exalted as king until Samuel anointed him. Jesus he wasn't even anointed as high priest until John the baptizer baptized him. Then the voice from heaven from the father had come and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. <clears throat> so even Jesus, God in the flesh, humbled himself through, uh, in, uh, through the process. Does that make sense? But it wasn't just him saying, I'm going to just go out and do this thing myself. Excuse me. But here, here is the, the consummating verse. And this is the ultimate point that I'm getting to. Why our hope and our faith is necessary. Why building up our faith is necessary. Because verse 4, and this is where I'm sure you'll be encouraged. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So <clears throat> when we build up our faith and we, we, we trust in the Lord. right? We don't, we don't start doing things our way. We do things God's way. We trust in Him. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> then as we abide in Him, take delight in Him, He gives us what we desire. Right? Not to evil people, not to people that are, you know, playing church, or people that are delighting in evil. No, we delight in the Lord and he gives us the desires of our heart. Amen. Does that make sense? <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> so I'll close there.